When our family was in Paris last summer, Jack, we had a great time enjoying the food. We love to eat. We love good food. Yeah. We woke up in the morning, and one of the things that woke us up was the smell of the croissants <laughs> coming from a bakery. I like your ac- French accent. Across the street. And our daughter went down and got some. She brought them back. We sat out on the little porch outside the window, looking down the street, sipping a cup of cafe au lait and having a croissant. Beautiful. It's yeah. wonderful food. So what's the food scene like from your perspective? You've been over there quite a bit. Yes, I have been to Paris a couple times, and I, I have a good friend that lives in Paris. So, Morgan, if I say something wrong, I apologize, but I'm going to do my best. Morgan, I'll, I'll try to help correct him with my <laughs> junior high and high school French. I, I, I give him crap for his American accent or English uh, accent, but he speaks several languages fluently. I speak none. I'm learning Italian, but I have no... Uh, reason to judge, but I do like to poke fun at the French. It's good fun, all in good fun. Bonjour and welcome to the 10th episode of the podcast, Virtual Vacation with Guidester, where each week we explore European destinations with host Jack Bauman, founder of Guidester, and travel enthusiast Arnold Stricker. We're obviously talking about food in this episode, the Paris food scene. What is it like? What's the difference between a bistro, a brasserie, and a restaurant? What time do Parisians eat and why that's important? Those and more. So let's join our host, the Guidester himself, Jack Bauman. So the food scene, Paris is the food capital of the world. It certainly is the food capital in Europe. It it has some of the best food in Europe. Paris doesn't necessarily have its own cuisine, so to speak. Paris is the epicenter of all the cuisine in all the regions of France. So if you want something from Provence or Bordeaux or the Loire Valley or the, the north, the west, you go to Paris and you'll find it. You will find whatever you want in any type of French cuisine, style of dish, you'll find it in Paris. So it's boldly reclaimed that title as the best food city in Europe. It really has a good mix, a brilliant mix of new restaurants by talented young chefs from all over the world, all over Europe, with a diverse array of dining options that are constantly changing. But you still have your custom long-established places, your traditional bistros, your brasseries, your stylish restaurants serving uh, classic French cooking, And then you've got the typical French or the classic hot cuisine. Hot is like the high-level establishment, gourmet restaurants and luxury hotel establishments, characterized by that meticulous preparation and careful presentation, and of course, a very high price. Now, you mentioned bistros, brasserie, and a restaurant. So what's the difference? Great question. The French love to designate and differentiate. And and when it comes to their language, their French language is the most sophisticated sort of language in the world. There's more layers to their designations of everything, but food, they take it to a crazy level. Different than fast food and a sit-down restaurant and and a place you're going to white tablecloth? We're just going to barely touch on a few of the designations. You go to this place for this style of food and experience, and if you want drinks with that, you go here. So let me get to the, the basics, the brass tacks, if you will. Bistro is usually a a very casual neighborhood restaurant. It's your neighborhood restaurant. It offers typical French cuisine. These can be trendy, and they vary greatly in price. So that's your neighborhood place. Uh, Brasseries, which brasserie comes from the French word brewery, it's usually pricier neighborhood restaurants, a little bit uh, more formal, but they serve beer and wine and simple food all day and night, like an informal bar-restaurant combination. It's also very popular with your business professionals. Then you have your restaurant, which is simply any eating establishment in which diners are served food at their tables. 
Okay. Um, so if you're served food at your table, that's a restaurant. But then you have further designations. A bouillon is traditional late 19th, early 20th century, spacious restaurant that usually serves traditional French cuisine. So you think, Jack, that sounds like a restaurant. There are subtle differences. The bistro is your neighborhood, small neighborhood restaurant. Your brasserie is going to serve beer, wine. Your restaurant's going to be your catch-all name for a lot of other eating establishments. And then your bouillon. Then we can get into what some other designations of what Paris is known for. Well, what are they known for? So the really important thing, they're known for anywhere in France, especially Paris. La boulangerie, they're known for their bread and pastry dishes. That's, and their croissants. And their Well, that's bread-based. That's right. So their bread-based dishes is really what France is known for. In addition, Paris is the epicenter of that. So key thing to understand here, a boulangerie is a bakery that focuses mainly on baking breads. And a pâtisserie is a bakery specializing in pastries and headed by a pastry chef. So that's really important. Let me tell you what. The pastries over there in one place that we went to, they were absolutely crazy. They melt in your mouth. They had just a great flavor. Oh, absolutely. So one worth mentioning, if you want to put one on your pâtisserie itinerary, Gerard Mulot. Pâtisserie is considered one of the best in the city, offers a wide range of pastries, colors, kind. From what you mentioned, the traditional croissant, my personal favorite is a pain au chocolat which is basically a chocolate croissant. Gerard Mulot is definitely a must-see. And of course, you can't do Paris. You really can't do France at all, but particularly Paris without a clip. Now, we'd say crepe, but clip is a more accurate way to say that. The street creperies, it's some of the best street food on earth. They have all these little vendors, so a couple of places to go to get a really good crepe is under the Eiffel Tower. There's food trucks and other local vendors. But really, just finding a nice little stall walking the streets of Paris is a great way to get a local crepe. And if you like chocolate, again, one of personal favorite, the Nutella and banana-filled crepe. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. Magnifique. Delicieux is what you want to say if you're describing some dish. You're right. When you're walking around Paris a lot, and we walk 10 miles a day, yeah. just going from place to place, you would look for a place to sit at a corner corner bistro yeah. and you would sit down you would get some coffee you would get a little pastry yep. and if you needed to use the restroom you could do that then and then you were on your way and it was a nice break yes thank you for sharing that because i did forget to mention of course and th this is uh, unforgivable but the cafe that's a staple when you think about paris and france in general you're envisioning a romantic couple sitting at a cafe eating a pastry and drinking some coffee or maybe some wine so the cafe scene is absolutely a staple uh, feature of the Parisian food scene and the culture. It is. It's great people watching. It really is. It's a great way to get a bead on the locals. So when I try to speak French, and this was told to me by my German friend, and he said, picture the most stereotypical person in that language to, to speak it. So when I speak French, I actually envision a Parisian sitting in a cafe, smoking a cigarette, drinking a little coffee and having a croissant. With a beret on? Of course he's got and a beret. And a striped shirt. And a striped shirt. Horizontal striped shirt. The, the right. sailor shirt with the beret. But I do think of the sort of disgruntled Parisian sitting in the cafe judging everybody <laughs> is, is the vision that I have when I sort of go to speak French. Those restaurants over there, some of them are internationally known and they carry Michelin star ratings. That was created in France, and that's now global. The Michelin star is something everybody's heard of. But for those that don't know, Michelin star, it's the ultimate hallmark of culinary excellence, awarded to restaurants judged to be of particularly high standard. So it's a rating system used by the Red Michelin Guide to grade restaurants on their quality, 
which was originally developed in the early 1900s to show French drivers where local amenities and restaurants were located. So it was just a practical need at the time, and it's just evolved from there. So it's a three-star rating system, uh, and the star system was first introduced in 1926, with a single star denoting a very good restaurant. Two stars meaning excellent cooking that's worth a detour. The third star, exceptional cuisine worth a special journey. So one star is very great restaurant, two stars, excellent cooking, worth a little detour. And then the third star is you got to go here. That, that's, it's a destination unto itself. Unlike other rating systems, the, the Michelin stars are not based on customer reviews at all, but it's undercover inspections by anonymous food experts known as Michelin inspectors. So it's really the culture of the Michelin star restaurant and the inspectors. It's an industry unto itself. It's a big deal. It's a very big deal. And people take it very seriously. They do. So if we're going to sit down and eat and we want to avoid the crowds, when do Parisians eat? What times? Yes. So maybe we have to make reservations if we're going to be during those times. Or yep. if we're outside those times, maybe we do, maybe we don't. The, the French are very meticulous and cultured in the way they do things. And food is no exception. So they do have designated time blocks, if you will. Americans, it's a foreign concept because Americans, we go to New York City, restaurants open all day long. That's how it is. Europe is not that way, but particularly France and Paris. Paris is a touristy city, so you're going to have exceptions to this rule. But generally speaking, there's two distinct service times. Lunch, typically served from 12 to 2.30, and then dinner, typically served from 7.30 to 11. If you're hungry in between, you can always step into a, a patisserie or a boulangerie or a cafe. Those are usually open throughout the day. Cafes are a great place to go to if you want those in-between times. But if you want to go to a set place, you do it like the French do, like the Parisians do. 12 to 2.30 for your lunch, and then 7.30 to 11 for your dinner. So what's a good way to find some of these nice restaurants? It's a great question. Avoid the restaurants with laminated menus. You can get good restaurants in touristy areas because... Really, the whole city of Paris is a tourist trap, if you will. There are definitely local areas, not around the Louvre and not around the Eiffel Tower. But geography is not as important as the menu and the style of restaurants. A tip that I was given that I think is it makes a lot of sense to me is avoid laminated menus. And why is that? It tells you something very important about a restaurant. It means they never or very rarely change the menu. Because why are you going to laminate if you're changing it? The changing menu is a hallmark of French cuisine, of Parisian-style food. It gives the chefs a creativity and this ability to be flexible and try new things and new flavors. So an ever-changing menu is a good sign. That means it's local. That means the chef knows what he's doing. You've got a good, conscientious chef that wants to try new things and explore. And and then not only try his own thing, but other influences that come in from outside Paris. So the laminated menus... Is, is an important thing. At every restaurant, the menu was either written in chalk or a giant chalkboard, or one of the waiters told you orally. So again, that's very counterintuitive to an American. I, I want a set menu, and I want that menu outside the restaurant. Be open and be flexible. If there's not a set menu, or if the set menu is, is said varied to change, give it a shot. But the menus that are on the chalkboard or that are given orally, those are usually going to be good local restaurants or establishments that you want to try out. So what are we talking price-wise? I imagine some of these high-end restaurants, pretty overpriced, pretty high-priced? Yes, Paris is definitely overpriced in everything, and the food's no exception. But not always if you know where to look. It really depends where you go. 
We mentioned earlier about the side streets and the smaller neighborhoods away from the very major tourist attractions are the way to go. The relaxing evening meals, off the beaten path joints, they're reasonably priced and you can get authentic Parisian culinary experience. You don't always have to go to the Michelin star restaurants to get the Parisian culinary experience. You just don't have to do it. Some of them are well worth going. As we mentioned, the three stars are a destination onto themselves. But just look for the off-the-beaten-path. The grunge year, sometimes the better. Paris does not have the best reputation for being the cleanest city in the world. But you look down an alleyway and it looks a little dirty, grungy. That might be a good sign. Don't do it at night. But during the day, take that little small street, go down that little pathway, and, and see what becomes of it. Because it's in central Paris. It's full of those little neighborhood kind of bistros and brasseries that you would never know is there unless you walked and explored yourself. And we should probably get reservations at these places. Yes. Reservations are an absolute must in Paris. They have very limited seating capacities, and that's before COVID. Dinner service hours are shorter than America, so they have to pack more and less time. And the best restaurants always book up very fast. At the top places, getting hundreds of reservation requests every single day. One more thing regarding the reservations, you don't have to show up on time. In the U.S., if you have a 7.30 reservation, it's customary to come a little early, 7.15. In Paris, it's quite a bit different. You don't have to arrive until at least the reservation time, if not a little later. If you've got a 7.30 reservation time, you're not going to sit at 7.30. So if you showed up at 8, that might be okay. I would probably show up at 7.30, 7.45 just to be safe, but you don't have to show up early. They're going to be running behind because the French do like to sit a little longer than Americans. I dated a French gal from Provence when I was living in Wales, and her father came and visited, and we went out and had dinner. Arnold, we were there four hours. Yeah. We were there four hours. He wanted to meet me and talk to me and stuff, but that's not out of the norm. A minimum dinner time for a French group of friends or family, it's going to be two hours. Three hours. You and I will go to dinner with a friend, and we could be in and out in an hour. Now, it might be an hour and a half, but if we have a dinner reservation in America, let's say a Tucker's here in St. Louis, at 7, we're going to be home by 8.30, or maybe at least walking out at 8.30. You won't even be getting your meal until 8 o'clock. So just keep in mind that the dinner time, they don't follow the reservation times because people do linger and, and they stay a little bit longer. All the more reason to make a reservation to make sure you do get seated at some point. That's a great point. As we experienced, and as you experience the French culture, they do like to take time. They do like to talk, converse, and get to know other people or find out about the day. It's not the rush that we have here in the States, so they really do take their time. It's great to find a place near the rivers, too, so you have a view or maybe you're over at the Louvre or by the Eiffel Tower. You don't want to be in a place where you're going to get a lot of traffic and hear noise and get a lot of fumes. So you pick a place, good view. Good vibe. Pa- good vibe. You're yep. patient with the chef because chef's doing their thing in the yes, back. Exactly. There's no rush. We're not going anywhere. You're taking in the culture. Absolutely. I, I think you're absolutely correct. The dining experience in Paris is part of the local culture. It's part of the whole feel in the northern part of central Paris. is a really cool neighborhoody mm-hmm. vibe. That's where Sacre Coeur, right. that very famous, beautiful Big art church. area. But that whole neighborhood around Sacre Coeur is beautiful. It's worth going to just walk around. But as you said, just picking a little local a brasserie or bistro or a Michelin star restaurant. But sit down, take your time. The idea is not to get food, get in, get out. 
The idea, as you said, you're taking in the ambiance of the neighborhood, you're right. people watching, you're talking to the waiter, you're getting some advice and tips on some wine pairings. How should I pair this dish with a wine that you've got on your menu. Tell me about the new flavors that you have and what, what are some of the cool things that the chef is doing. Don't be afraid to engage the garçon, the waiter. Excusez-moi, garçon, I have a question for you. <laughs> and they all speak English. Yes. In Paris, yes. That's actually another thing worth mentioning. If you want an English menu, go earlier. Not every restaurant's going to have an English menu. Correct. So that's really important. Even in Paris, you're going to get a lot of restaurants that do not have English menus. And the French are not the best at English, but they're not the worst. They're, Italy is very difficult. Outside of Rome and you know Venice and Florence, some of the major cities. But the French, it's actually funny, and it's a generational thing. The young people, everybody speaks English, but they don't like it. The French want you to speak French in France. And I get it. It makes sense. You're in our country. You don't have to speak it. At least, s'il vous plaît, bonjour. It's the basic things. Merci. Thank you. The meal was good. Just some basic phrases. And that's, again, going to the Geister Guide. If you get a Geister Guide, we're going to give you a couple pages of common phrases. So you don't need to know any French, but a few phrases and words really help go a long way. So if you need an English menu do your research or show up early because it will take the waiter a little bit longer to translate or to get you the English menu. And when it gets later in the evening, they don't want to do that. You don't want to slow up the garçon later in the evening with a lot of these questions if you don't have to. That's another way to find a really good a local establishment. If it doesn't have an English menu, that's a good sign. And just stumble through it. Getting back to whether they speak English, they should speak some. The older generation is not as good as the younger. But if they're under 40 certainly under 30, they will speak English. Now, one tip I will say, if a person that's younger, someone that's under 40, if they say they don't speak English, they're probably lying to you. I've watched this happen because they just don't want to engage with you. And there's just this concept of you should speak French. And I just don't want to speak English. I don't want to translate. So I'm just going to pretend this happens particularly in Paris, but it happens in other places in France. I watch them say this to a traveler. I don't understand. They pretend they don't understand. And then they're speaking English a few minutes later, the same guy. So it, it is something you know, be aware of. But here's what changes that. If I walk up to you as an American, where is this? Or where can I find this? And I don't even, excusez-moi. If all I said was excusez-moi versus where can I find this, that automatically lowers the drawbridge, if you will. Right. Because Paris is the most visited city in Europe. It literally is the most visited city in Europe. They get millions of Americans. Sometimes people are rude, and many times we don't respect their local culture, so they're going to make an assumption about you as being an American. Break down that barrier. Break down that assumption and just, excusez-moi, s'il vous plaît, excuse me, please, and ask your question in English. Or how about, par parlez-vous anglais? If I walk up to you and I say, do you speak English? Versus, parlez-vous anglais? I, I, and I watch this happen from waiters to street stalls and shop workers and just people that I've met out and about, parlez-vous anglais, oui, or yes, and then you've now engaged. Their facial expressions change from, I don't want to be bothered, to, I'm interested. Like, good morning, good, good afternoon, yeah. and then followed by that. But in their language. Exactly. Parlez-vous anglais really goes a very far way in lowering that drawbridge. I agree with that. So favorite restaurants of yours? I did go to a restaurant that was really exceptional Last time I was there, I think in 2018, worth mentioning, Bouillon Chantier. Bouillon is just a designation of a restaurant. It's a great place to uh, discover authentic 
French cuisine with all your typical cliches without breaking the bank. So it's classy, historic place. It's over 100 years old. I guess for France, it's not that old. It's a very well-known establishment. It has a whole lot of French culture in a single dose. When I went there, I got the escargot, the snails. Worth doing. I'm not an escargot guy. I'm not a snails guy. But if you're going to get them in Paris. If you're going to get it in Paris, exactly. It was quite delicious. The meat, the actual texture of the meat was good, but the sauce, whatever sauce they put on this was just amazing. It's delicieux. It was really top-notch, and that's really what made it. And just the presentation. The escargot comes out in a little dish, and then there's like little pockets of sauce, and you dip it in that, in the sauce. It gives it a really good flavor. It's a laid-back atmosphere. Then you might find it a higher-end spot. So you get the quality of the best French cuisine without the pretentiousness that accompanies some of the top-tier Michelin star restaurants. It feels like a local vibe. It's quite big for a French restaurant or Paris restaurant. It's not small. I was up on the second story. So you get all the best bits and bobs of the Paris food scene without the pretentiousness of some of the other sophistique sort of restaurants. I know when people go to visit Paris, many times people want to go to see museums or they have specific sites that they want to see, like the Eiffel Tower or the Arc de Triomphe. But you must also take in the food scene. That's a whole nother venue that you need to prepare and take time for. Absolutely. I think if you go to Paris without some effort to engage and immerse into the food culture, you've missed something. Agreed. You nailed it. Me personally, food doesn't motivate me. I love good food. I I don't travel for food, but I made an effort to go to a nice bouillon, to a nice brasserie and bistro and some cafes. The way that I think about food establishments in Paris is how I would probably think about pubs in England. You cannot go to England without experiencing some cool local pubs. It's the same way with the food in Paris. That's a great, great analogy. And I like the sign, we'll travel for food. <laughs> exactly. We'll travel for food. Appreciate you listening to this episode of Virtual Vacation with Guidester. If you enjoy this episode, please consider letting us know. The best way to do this is by rating us on Apple Podcasts. Reviews are always welcome and encouraged. Virtual Vacation with Guidester is produced by Motif Media Group. For Jack Bauman and Virtual Vacation with Guidester, I'm Arnold Strickland.